uh, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6, starting from verse 5. Um, we are continuing our series on gospel-transformed relationships, and this week we're going to be looking at work relationships. So this series so far has been on how faith in Jesus changes our human relationships. And so far we've, we've looked at friendship and family and marriage. And this week we're talking about work. And it's going to specifically focus on the relationship that we have with those in authority in our workplace. So whether that be a supervisor or a boss or a board or, or something else. So, so let's start by, by simply reading God's word. That's always the place we need to start. So Ephesians 6, starting from verses 5 to verse 8. This is what God says. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bondservant or is free. So, so let's think about work culture for a bit. Uh, who's heard of the term 996? 996. 996 is, is an unofficial work schedule from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week, that's been gaining more popularity in uh, companies, especially in China and, and uh, in Hong Kong as well. So 996 usually means you're working 60 hours a week. And uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you browse the internet frequently, th this term 996.icu has been uh, getting passed around a lot. And it's basically, uh, Chinese workers trying to spread awareness of how unhealthy this practice is. So 996.ICU is basically them saying, if you're working 996, you're going to be sent to the ICU. And that's true, like literally, people have been sent to the ICU from collapse due to overwork. To people have even, even died. This is a very, very serious issue uh, in, in our work culture. Uh, so, so this got me thinking, uh, you know what, how close is, is Hong Kong to the average 996 work schedule, if we were to compare. So I, I, I'm going to poll us, all right? Um, so A is 45, B is 55 hours a week, C is 55 hours a week, and D is 60 hours a week. So D is the actual 996. This is where Hong Kong is at, all right? So if A is 45, B is 50, C is 55, and D is 60, all right? Uh, show of hands, who thinks the average work out week, hours per week is 45? A, 45 hours per week. All right, not, not too optimistic. Uh, 50, who thinks 50? Right, 50, okay. Uh, who thinks 55? Man, you guys are working a lot. <laughs> Any 60, Any, anybody thinks it's 60? Okay, so, so, so different answers range depending on you know, what specific stats we're looking at, but it, it's actually between 48 to about 55. That's, that's the average, depending on you know, what sector you're from. You know, some of us work a little more, so some of us work a little less, but no matter how you like, match those numbers, how you average it out, um, you're basically spending 
like half of your waking time at work, more or less. Half of your waking time is spent at work. And the hope is, if you're spending so much time at work, it would be something enjoyable or at least not a horrible experience. Uh, but for many people, work is not an enjoyable place to be. You know, it's filled with mountains of challenges. You know, there's difficult coworkers and bosses. There's a constant pressure of unrealistic demands and expectations. And, and, and many times, our work doesn't actually seem meaningful or end up being productive. You, know, you, you can spend so much time on one project and something comes up and it, and it falls through. And there goes like a whole month of work. Sometimes you can feel like you're stuck in a system where nobody really cares or, or values you. You're just a cog in the system. You know, if we don't like our work, it doesn't matter to anybody else because you're actually easily replaceable. Somebody else is going to be willing to, to do the 996 on your behalf. So, so in theory, when it comes to a lot of our work situations, you know, we have the choice to leave, but, but in reality, you know, our life situation gives us little choice but to be you know, tied down to our work. You know, we have bills that need to be paid, uh, family to support. And, and sometimes work can feel like slavery more than employment. Um, and if, you ever, if you've ever felt like a slave at work, then uh, you can get to have an idea of how most of the Ephesian believers in our passage feel every day of their lives because they were, they were literally slaves. Like, they were slaves. Um, the majority of the Christian church in the first century were slaves because most of the population were slaves. Now, it's important to understand what it means to be a slave in this time period. It, it's a little bit different than how we understand modern-day slavery. Uh, so the word that's used in the passage is, is, passage is actually bond servant. Bond servant. Uh, slave, yes, but bond servant helps us to understand this concept a bit better. So a bondservant was, was legally owned and tied down to their master, but a bondservant could reasonably expect to be freed at some point in their life. So masters would give their bondservants uh, money to reward them for hard work, which would go towards buying their freedom somewhere down the road. And, 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 and these bondservants actually worked in a variety of specialized positions. Uh, so some of them did really hard work as, uh, you know, farmers, uh, manufacturing, uh, domestic duties. Um, but many of these bond servants actually served as doctors, teachers, writers, accountants, agents, secretaries, captains of boats. So masters often made it their, their business strategy uh, to buy and train intelligent people to be their bond servants or slaves and to motivate them to do high-quality work by promising them freedom after X amount of years. But even with this chance of freedom, you know, the reality is a bondservant was still tied down to their master. And these masters, more often than not, did not treat them well, did not treat them fairly, they would be selfish, they would abuse their bond servants, they would lie and manipulate them to, to get the most out of them as they could. Now, now before going on, it, it's really important to make it clear that the Bible does not support slavery. Right? 1 Corinthians 7.12, believers are called not to stay, at sla stay as slaves, but to obtain freedom 
I won't go into this subject now, but I would be happy to talk with you more if, if you have questions after the service. Uh, but the focus of today's passage is about how believers are to live in a sinful, imperfect world that God is still in the process of redeeming, of fixing. Now, as God is working to end all injustice and evil, he uses the sinful, imperfect circumstance of slavery and a believer's life to work out his personal salvation purpose for them. And this brings us to, to the main point for this morning. Relationship with Christ grows through developing the right heart at work. Relationship with Christ grows through developing the right heart at work. Serving as a slave or a bondservant under a master was the only way the majority of people in the first century could support themselves financially, economically. In our world today, working as an employee under an employer is the way most people make a living. And overall, the situation is, is better than slavery, but because of sin, it's still an imperfect system with so many problems, so many challenges that we all face day to day. In fact, one of the consequences of sin is that in any type of work, whether as an employee or as a slave, any work that we do is cursed, is cursed by God. So, so we're told in Genesis, you know, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. See, the result of turning away from God in disobedience was that work became a curse instead of a blessing. Instead of being fruitful and productive, work became painful toil. Instead of enjoying the work, people became a slave to work. A and we turned to work to get what only God can provide us with. You may not be a literal slave. You may not even be an employee. You might be self-employed. You might have other ways of, of making a living, but we are all spiritually enslaved to our work through sin. We're all spiritual slaves to our work through sin. But through faith in Jesus' death on the cross for our sin, Christians are freed from slavery to their work. Even though the external circumstances of work remains sinful and imperfect, believers can live out God's original intention for work in the first place, and that's relationship with Him. Relationship with Christ grows through developing the right heart at work. And many times, uh, Christians see their time at work as having no use to their relationship with God. You know, when I'm at church, when I'm with other believers, when I'm studying the Bible, when I'm praying, you know, that's when I'm drawn, to that's when I'm drawn close to God. That's when I'm growing in my relationship with God. And, and those things are, are important. Uh, on, on the other hand, though, we, we see work as an obstacle. You know, work as a challenge to my relationship with God. But the truth is the exact opposite. As a Christian, your day-to-day -day work is one of the primary ways God uses to grow your relationship with Him. 
And this relationship grows by trusting who God is and what he's done for you in your work. The evidence of growing trust in God is a transformed attitude and heart towards your work. And this passage tells us two key ways believers are to view their work differently as a new creation, as those who have new life. The first is this. Work is not so much about the what as it is about the who. Okay? Work is not so much about the what, not what you do, but who. See, every part of our passage brings the focus back to who Jesus is to a believer. You know, believers are to obey their earthly masters because of Jesus. They are to serve because they are bondservants of Jesus. You know, believers, they, you, you, you can be doing a number of things in your work, but the focus of it all is responding to who Jesus is to you as your Lord and as your master. The goal of work is first relationship with God, not productivity. Right? The goal of your work is relationship with God, not your productivity. You know, obedience to your master or to your employees, doing the work that you're called to do, the service, whatever it is, it means nothing if the focus is not on the person of Jesus in your life. And, and this is related to the second point about work that we see in our passage. Why you do work is just as important to God as what you do. Why you do the work that you do is just as important to God as what you do. See, this whole passage is filled with your heart attitude. And your heart attitude goes hand in hand with the actual actions. Right? You're obeying, but with fear and trembling. You're rendering service, but from the heart, with goodwill. When we serve, it shouldn't be done because we're trying to please others, to look good in front of other people. See, th this who and the why are much more important than the what. And the who and the why go hand in hand. But our approach to work, 99% of the time, is always about the what. So think about the questions you ask. You know, what's the nature of your job? How much are you doing? Am I doing enough? Am I putting enough hours in? When God looks at your work, he's not looking so much at the what, he's looking at the why behind your work. You know, are you trusting who he is? Are you responding to who he is? Are you growing to know more of who he is? Work is about the who. It's about relationship with God. As a believer grows to know and trust God more, the why behind your work changes to reflect these things that we read in our passage. This whole passage on work, it's all about your heart. And that's because seeking to change the why in your work is how you grow closer to God 
in your day-to-day life. Every day at work is a test of your relationship with God. Everything about your work, the challenges that constantly bombard you, the things that tire you, the people who frustrate you and even hurt you, they lead you to know and trust Jesus as the perfect, gracious, compassionate, good master over your life who sees all that you do and will pay you even if no one else does. Relationship with Christ grows through developing the right heart at work. So I want us to take some time to think about the heart that God desires believers to have and and how having these attitudes lead us closer to him. And, and, And these attitudes are, you know, wholehearted respect and loyalty to authority, wholehearted service to God through work, and wholehearted trust in Jesus as master. So we're gonna look at these three points, explore what they mean, and then think about how to apply them in our hearts. All right, so the first is wholehearted respect and loyalty to authority. See, it's not just enough for you as a believer to to obey your master or to obey your employer. It's not enough to to do the work we're, we're told to do by our superiors. We need to do it with wholehearted respect and loyalty. You know, the words fear and trembling here means deep respect and reverence. But it's not enough just to have respect and reverence. We need to have a sincere heart. And the word sincere means to be single, whole, pure. We're to be wholehearted or pure-hearted in the respect we have towards work authority. That means there are no ulterior motives, no other negative thoughts or mixed feelings into the respect. It's, it's a sincere respect. Another attitude believers are to have towards their work authority is, is goodwill. Goodwill. Uh, the word goodwill, it's not easy to translate. Uh, the Chinese translates it as, as gamsam, which means willingness, like willingness without regret. And that's part of what goodwill means, but, but it's actually more than just willingness to do something. It's willingness to do something out of a positive attitude towards someone, right? Goodwill is willingness to do something because of a positive attitude towards someone. It's a willingness that comes out of re- a relationship of love and friendship. And the best word that gets across this point that that I could think of in the English language is is actually loyalty. Loyalty. When you're loyal to someone, you do things for them, not because of what they can do for you, but because of who they are. Because of who they are. And verse 6 makes this clear. Right? Verse 6 says that the obedience to work authority is not to be done to please them or to impress them externally, not, not by way of eye service. You're not just trying to make sure your boss sees that you're doing your work, doing it well. Um, it's more than just external things. Right? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. It's to be done with an inward, sincere heart of good will and respect and loyalty. Right? Wholehearted, wholehearted respect and loyalty. That's the first attitude. The second attitude that believers are to have is wholehearted service to God through work. 
See, believers' work is done trusting that what we're doing is service to God. God calls us to serve him through our work. We're to do the will of God from the heart, rendering service as to the Lord. Obedience to work authority is part of God's will and part of our service to God. A believer's service is not ultimately to, to man, not ultimately to people. You know, the heart focus of a believer is not on pleasing people, but on how to please God. And, and the ways that we relate to people, the why, the why behind why we relate to people in our work is because we want to please God, not because we want to please people. All work is service to God, even work done for a bad human master or employer. There should be wholehearted willingness, excitement even, to do our work no matter what it is. And this is where things get really challenging because the workplace in the world is exactly the opposite, right? Your work is about yourself, and because your work is about yourself, then your, your focus at work becomes looking good to impress other people for your own benefit. I had a friend who works at the Apple store, right? They usually wear very hip uniforms, and they talk to you very smoothly. There's a lot of training to go through that. And when she first walked into the workplace, she was like, this is like the best work environment ever. Everyone's so hip. I get discounts on my Apple products, on my iPhone. And she's like, yeah, everyone's so nice to me. Uh, six months later, she comes back to me, and she's like, I hate my workplace. Everyone is so fake. You know, she actually found out that, that at Apple, they have this grading system for employees where um, they want employees to help one another. And the, sort of the reason why is because if you help somebody uh, develop the skills to, to move ahead, then you get a promotion, not that person. So everyone was going up to her saying, hey, let me help you. Let me show you the ropes. I know you're new here. I know it's difficult. And the whole reason why they were doing it is so that they can get a promotion. And she felt so, like, so cheated. So like, man, you're so fake to me. You're just trying to please your employers. You didn't really care about me. It feels horrible when your work is about pleasing people. But for the believer, we're not about pleasing people. We're about pleasing God first. And that transforms the way we treat people around us. The last attitude believers are to have is wholehearted trust in Jesus as master. The work that pleases God is motivated by faith and trust in who he is. And everything that we do in our work is to be done knowing that God is the one who is ultimately going to pay us back for our work. Everything that we do. And this takes a lot of faith day in and day out because we do things in our work that nobody else sees. We do things that we know that we, didn't, that we don't have to do because it's not going to make a difference, but we know it's the right thing. We know that's what we need to do to do our job well. See, it takes trust day after day, week after week, year after year, to do the right thing in your work when nobody else does, when nobody else cares, when they don't even want you to do the right thing because it actually takes up time. But you do it because you trust that God is pleased with you and that he's going to repay you. Relationship with Christ grows through developing the right heart at work. And the right heart means wholehearted respect and loyalty to authority, 
wholehearted service to God through work, wholehearted trust in Jesus as master. And that is a lot easier for me to say than for you to do, isn't it? (laughs) If you're thinking, this is impossible, how do you expect me to do this? You're not alone. You know, I imagine many of these Ephesian believers, as they're feeling so frustrated and so hopeless after hearing these verses read out, read out to them in a church service. You, know, you want me to respect my master with a sincere heart? He's not worthy of the least bit of my respect. You know, he's lied to me. He's cheated me. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't appreciate or acknowledge the things I do for him. You know, there is nothing admirable about him that would cause me to want to respect him. Imagine if you're a, a slave, a real slave in the first century. You know, imagine the pressure and temptation you face to simply please your master when he's looking outwardly, but to hate him inwardly. You know, your, your whole future is tied down to if your master likes you or not. He can decide whether you go free in five years or 10 years or in 20 years. He's also the one who can make your life miserable and you can't escape because you're legally tied down to this master. But it's here that God says to these believers, and he says to us, your heart is so important to me. You know, th- these believers are probably asking similar questions as to what you're asking now. You know, what, what's, the right, what's the point of having the right attitude? What do I get from it? You know, even if I wanted to do it, how, how do I develop this attitude? It's like impossible. The answer is freedom from spiritual slavery to your work through intimacy with Jesus. See, through working out these attitudes, you realize more and more that you are free from your work. You are free from the curse of sin in your workplace. And you are free to, to do what work was meant to do in the first place, grow in your relationship with God every single day of your lives. I want all of us to think for a moment, right? How would your approach to work change if you were serious about doing this every day, if you were serious about having the right attitude at work day after day, hour after hour? If if your heart was the goal of your work, day in and day out, how would that change the way you work? The first thing it would do is, is lead you to, to really reflect on where your heart is. And, and if, you were, if you were serious and honest, in, in your reflection, you would come to realize more deeply how much a sinner you are. You know, how selfish and godless your approach to work is and how much you need Jesus. You, know, you, you thought you were a pretty good person because you judge yourself by the work that you produce, not by why you did it or who you were pursuing. The second thing it would do is lead you to repent and then really rely on God for help to seek him in prayer every day. And as you started to go to God knowing, I I don't have this attitude, God, but this is what you want me to do. As you relied on him, you would start to walk more closely with God in your day-to-day work. And you would start to, and work would start to become a way to pursue and draw closer to God. And as you depend on God, the new life that you have through the Holy Spirit would continue to grow until you start to develop these attitudes 
more and more. Now I want us to, to think about the impact. What, what impact would having the right heart, if even just a little bit, what impact would that have on your day-to-day work life? Let me share some ways the gospel can transform your workplace. One common challenge of work in Hong Kong is the pressure and expectation to perform well, to be productive, to put in the hours. Um, what makes this more challenging is that there's more than just one set of expectations. You know, there's the expectations of your employer, uh, but also those of your coworkers and of yourself, okay, of yourself. And the immediate pressure is to live up to these expectations as a way to value your worth and, and acceptance. And sometimes it's actually your personal expectations that make the things most difficult because you want to reach a certain standard for yourself and you set standards for yourself for your work that's even higher than your employers, and you believe that fulfilling your own standards is what's going to give you value. But God tells us your work was never to be meant for yourself or for others. It was meant to be for Him. When we're working with wholehearted service to God, we're freed from the expectations of people, whether of yourself or of others. We don't need to find our value in our work, In fact, it's the opposite. Our motivation to work comes out of the realization that we are already immensely valued and treasured by God. We are bond servants of Jesus. He gave up his life for us to be his. God the Father paid everything he had for us to serve him in advance before we could do anything to pay him back. Trusting in our identity as bondservants of Jesus frees us from the expectations of others at work so that we can live by God's expectations. And the first expectation God has for us is to love him, to know him, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we get to know this God more, we're moved to want to go and serve him. At the same time, work doesn't turn into an idol in our lives where we find worth and acceptance. Our failure to meet meet unrealistic expectations at work don't cause us to feel discouraged because you know your true value comes in being a bondservant of Jesus who has paid everything for you. And when you trust Jesus as master, it also keeps you from pursuing your own expectations of yourself at work. See, as your master, Jesus calls you to rest. Jesus calls you to Sabbath. That's why it's repeated so many times. So when you find yourself pushing yourself to the point where you don't rest and you can't find rest, you're not working according to God's expectations. Something is wrong in your heart. That's where it starts. I want you to think, how much of the work that you do is done to please people and out of fear of letting them down? How much of the work that you do is done to please people and out of fear of letting them down? And how much is done out of desire to please God? How would trust in Christ as master change the way you face expectations thrown at you in work? You know, the pressure of living according to expectations of people is part of the curse of sin, but Jesus has set you free to work for him.
I'm gonna talk about a second challenge. Uh, being free from the expectations of people doesn't mean that we can be idle or lazy in our work. It means being able to work well in the right way. So Jesus, as our master, calls us to obey our work and to do the work, and we're to do this with that respect, that loyalty we're talking about. And this is where another common challenge comes up. It's one thing to obey your boss outwardly. It's another thing to have that inward respect and loyalty towards them. And even if you have like the best boss, there are still serious flaws and oversights in his life or her life. But what do you do with a boss who is completely undeserving of your respect and loyalty? They're unreasonable, they're unempathetic, they're selfish and moody. And this is where Jesus calls you, calls you to use this as an opportunity to grow in your relationship with him. No, your boss is a sinner, completely undeserving of your respect, but Jesus has bought all of your love and respect at the cross. And Jesus, as your master, calls you to have this heart of respect for your boss. Can you, out of love and loyalty to Jesus, respect your boss? Are you willing, out of love and loyalty to Jesus, to submit your heart to him and respect your boss? See, these two things go hand in hand. As you grow in your loyalty to Jesus as your master, your heart of loyalty towards your earthly superior also grows. Not because of who they are, but because of who Jesus is to you. Our relationships at work and our relationship with God are all interconnected. All right, so to summarize, relationship with Christ grows through the right attitude at work. You know, work is more about the who and the why and not the what. I want to end off by having us think about, all right, what value or effect is there in having the right attitude in our work? You know, what's the difference between somebody who works hard, who works well, and who works with integrity, but is not motivated by God, and somebody who works for the Lord? And what difference does it make for your boss if you only respect him or her outwardly, but you don't do so inwardly? And practically speaking, it can make no difference. You know, work is work is work. What matter does it, what matter does it make if your heart isn't in it? You know, two, people, two people could work with exactly the same uh, work ethic and productivity with completely different sets of hearts in their work. You know, externally, in the present, there's no difference, but internally and eternally, there is a huge difference. See, externally, there might not be a difference, but internally and externally and, and eternally, there is a huge difference. Uh, let me just help us to reflect on these last two points. I internally, see, for a Christian, when you're developing the right heart, it leads you to know and experience the presence of Jesus in your work. It's through work that you get to know God as master. And as we get to know this master, we, we realize that he is worth giving up our lives in service for. He is so kind, so compassionate, so patient, so gracious. He is completely empathetic in all of our struggles. To, to have and experience Jesus as our master is such a great privilege. And even more than knowing Jesus as master, 
we get to know Jesus as servant. You know, why is Jesus such a good master? It's because he became the greatest slave. He became the servant of all. And as we seek to serve God through our work, we get to know more of Jesus' own experience of serving this sinful, imperfect world. And it's through our work that we grow in our relationship with him as our master and as our servant. I want to end off with the eternal. See, the difference in your heart motivation is actually the difference between life and death for you. Because of sin, the end of your lifetime of work, no matter how hard or how well it's done, is death. Right? By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The curse of work is that all of us who are stuck in this cycle of work, to living to work, working to live, we're going to die. The faith in the gospel restores us to be in relationship with God so that at the end, through faith, because we have this relationship that we've been pursuing your whole life, he's going to repay you. He's going to repay you with eternal life and much more. Your heart attitude at work is the difference between life and death for you. I'm going to invite Edward to come up. Um, Edward is going to share a little bit about his experience uh, of being in the workplace in Hong Kong for, for many, many years. Um, let's give him a round of applause. He's been very brave to share with us some of his uh, different experiences. Um, so Edward, thanks for being Hello. with us. Um, yeah, I, I thought maybe we'd just start with some uh, introductory questions for those yep. who don't know you. Um, you know, like, like maybe like, what sector do you work in? What do you do? How many years have you been working in? Like those basic questions. Maybe you can introduce yourself. Yeah, um, I've been working in the uh, IT related business for more than 10 years. And currently I'm the, uh, one of the uh, team leader in my company for, my, uh, for the IT, IT uh, help desk team. Cool. And c can you sort of describe to us, what does your typical week uh, of work look like? Uh, it was like uh, leave home at 7 and arrive office before 8. So you're leaving work at 7. So what time do you wake up? Like 6.30 wow. or earlier. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, actually my, my normally my working hours start at 8.30, mm. but I like to arrive office earlier and sometimes my my schedule was like I got earlier those early uh, meetings that I need to take care of so that I, that's why I have to attend office earlier and then uh, average I leave office at 630 if that day doesn't have those uh, meetings at the last minutes you know so yeah it's like that okay. and uh, Monday for Friday yeah um, and I guess you've been working in this sector for like 10 years, or over 10 years, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced? I think uh, the one of the biggest challenge is that uh, it's, there's always some uh, ad hoc task pop up that interrupts your so-called normal schedule. And uh, yeah, for f so that before that, it was like make me nervous or don't know how to respond. But uh, after some years of training that 
what I learned from that is that I should look for help, or before that, I should summarize that what I've been faced so far, and then figure out what I should do, like some backup plans. Because what I learned from my work is that uh, before that I was working one of uh, one of my uh, jobs that I work at the uh, investment bank, and they have a such so-called DR site, uh, disaster recovery office. That is when there's something happened, the main office cannot work, then they have a, a backup site, right? So why don't I have my own DR site of my work, right? So that I'll have some, uh, like for example, like prepare some laptops, that when others' PCs not working and they're like panicked, they're, oh, I cannot finish my work, I have to hand in my uh, papers today before 12, please help me right now. So that, okay, this is a, another new laptop. You just, just log in and download your files and you can continue work so that I can have time to fix your computer, right? So that he can continue to finish his work, whatever, then he can be, uh, become to, to move his emotion from the panic back to his work, which is actually his uh, own focus, right? So that's like, uh, yeah, and also the same the thing, another thing I learned is that um, like in, in our lives, it's always like surprise pops up that will distract our focus, which is for Christian, I think, is on God, right? But if we were distracted by this world, then it's easy for us to lose our focus. So that's, uh, it's good that to have the practice or the plans in your mind that you should not be distracted by all other things, but put our focus back to God. Yeah, it seems like you have a lot of experience just how to practically manage the challenges that come up at work. Uh, I know that, you know, in, in some of our conversations, you've shared that, like, one of these, like, ad hoc challenges, it's ad hoc, but it ends up in you, like, pulling all-nighters or, like, just spending so much time to resolve it. And I think it's been encouraging for me to see you, like, thinking of ways to practically serve people through your work and to help them and, and to think of them, uh, think of them first. Um, now, can you think of any other ways that you try to serve Christ through what you do at work? I, I know you've already mentioned just really helping them very practically and, and keeping the focus on the problem. And, um, well, uh, during, during my work, uh, what I see that is uh, when God arranged me in, that, in this position that I need to face different users mm. uh, daily, that uh, it's like, God is actually putting a mirror in front of me. When different so-called customers or users, they show up or different bosses, or so-called those are directors, they have different challenges or problems they need us to solve for them. So that when I see that like people, they have like uh, different uh, emotions or uh, 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 reactions that also telling me at the same time that, well, did I have the same attitude or uh, response when the problems pops up, pops up like them? Do I panic like them? Do I like feel anger immediately like them? So uh, I think that this kind of um, situation also teach me how to uh, not, not drop into their same emotion. Because if I have the same panic as them, as them, like I, I won't be able to do my job at all. 
like when people were yelling at me like, oh, why my computer just shut down like that? And actually the reason is that because um, there's one of the user who put a, 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 a blower like a warmer at under her, under her feet <laughs> facing the computer that caused the computer overheated every time when she started the PC. And well, I understand that it was a winter and it's quite cold, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was a Monday 9 a.m. call and then just went there and then she tell me the problem and then just, well, I'm, I can't start my work, blah, 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 and then she just go to the bathroom or whatever. And then just, I just look at the computer and try to start it and then it just, pops up the logo and then turns off immediately. And after a while, I just thinking, like, I just sit on her seat and I said, why is it so warm at my feet? It's like, what? <laughs> okay, so I just turn off the, the heater and then the computers get back to work normally. <laughs> so I just tell her that, well, next time you can turn a little angle of your heater so you can still warm your feet but not with your computer at the same time so you won't get yourself hurt if the computer blows up or whatever, you know? Just, just tell her that. So that's one of the experiences that I have, yeah. that if I didn't think in their position or point of view, I will never understand why they will have such a reactions. So that I think that's one of the um, lessons I learned yeah. on how to like, um, customize those um, uh, plans when I'm preparing for them to how to resolve or troubleshoot the problem. Yeah, I think, yeah, th 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 thanks for sharing that example. Um, I, I know as, you, as we were talking about this before, like you face like day after day, just so many angry people from like the customers to the bosses. And I really see you as like a peacemaker, like you're able to take in their anger and to process what their problems are and, and to really make sure like that things get done. And that's what I really, like that's, that's where I really see Christ at work in your life and how you serve him. Just being a peacemaker, especially in an environment that's full of so much anger and, and, and frustration. Uh, th thanks for sharing, Edward. Um, no problem. Just, just one last question. Uh, maybe, you know, throughout your years at work, um, how, how has God used your work to grow relationship with him? Um, yeah, for that one, first I would like to share one of the uh, Bible verses. It's from uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 20. Uh, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Uh, I think that um, uh, for my uh, journey in Christian life, I think when, when God what God has put in front of me is that always, that always remind me uh, to help me to focus on Him. Uh, it, uh, either the, the people that I met on work uh, and especially the brothers and sisters that I met in church that always um, remind me and also recharge my energy. Because um, uh, I, sometimes I just think, that, well, I'm so tired that uh, through all the week, uh, the work of the week, and then I have to go back to church, maybe go up, come, come here early to prepare for, uh, support the worship team, set up all things. But at the same time, I think that, well, I'm not the only one like that. Everybody's working, everybody got his life, got their lives. They have to support their families. 
take care of other business as well. But at the same time, when I come back to this church, I can say that, well, everything is up and running, right? The lights on, the chairs all well, well arranged, uh, the ushers are, are there to welcoming everybody. How can I do that? So that I observe and learn from them and think, figure out, well, God has supplies a lot to us, more than we need it. Mm. What I need to do is that um, to learn from the Bible and also to count all the blessings and the uh, gifts that he gave to me. And at last, is that if I use it or not. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing, Edward. I think we can really see like, how you've grown to see God's provision in your work. And for me, what I see is that you know, your, your, your growth and service at work really translates into how you serve God at church. And those things are so interconnected in our lives. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, let's give Edward a round of applause. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, how about as they come up, we'll just spend some time in reflection. So uh, let's, let's close our eyes and um, let's go to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are our master and, and you are so good to us. Uh, you provide us with what we need. Um, you give us strength and grace in every situation, Lord. Um, that we want to lift up our work life to you. I, I pray that you would help each of us uh, here this morning, God, to, to really see how real um, their work plays in their relationship with you, Lord. I, I pray for those of us who are really struggling with so many different challenges, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal more of who you are to them, Lord. God, God I pray that um, you, you would continue to um, show yourself to be faithful.